Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, is WrestleMania best over an entire weekend? Disney reshuffles its own movie deck. And what TV shows should you be watching while you're at home? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. It's Gerald Glass. We're coming right back at you here from pop culture cosmos inside sports fantasy football, the Lakers fast break podcast and game source. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He's our own John Cena of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Also as well, his great show, Topic Topicocalypse. And of course, his awesome book, which is available right now. And I know you've got some time to read out there. And that is Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. You can't see me, man. What? What's happening? Your hand, you're waving it in front of your face. You can't see me. You're right. One of the dumbest things ever in professional wrestling, but you can't see me. I don't know. The worm was pretty cool. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Scotty too hottie, Rikishi. Come on, man. Too cool. I'm Rikishi, you know. Going, going a little bit back right there for you. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But it is going to be a great episode. We've got some guests for you on tap today. We've got Jessica Boggs. She's stopping by from the TVRatingsGuide.com, not for her usual monthly update. That's coming up later in the month. Today, she's here to talk about some shows that you can see while, I guess it's during like your quarantine, your stay at home, lockdown, whatever you want to call it. It's a great time to catch some TV. I know a lot of people out there are hitting the TV harder than they ever have before because there's more people watching TV right now at the moment than almost at any time in the past few years. So... It is a great time to watch some shows out there, and she has her list of some shows you need to check out, plus I do add some in as well. We've also got Noah Ian Fine from Hunnic Outcast. He's in our retro gaming spotlight. He has some games that he, you know, that, that you might be aware of and a couple that you might not be aware of that he's actually pulled out of the closet. He's dusted them off. He's been playing them a little bit, so he wanted to go ahead and reflect on those games real quick. And then we've also got returning for this show. If you didn't check them out on our WrestleMania preview last Friday, it was a really good interview. They're back once again. It's Alex Hotry and Mike Faber from the ESO Network. They're going to talk about WrestleMania taking place over a two-day period of time. Was that better for fans out there watching WrestleMania? And should they continue to do that going forward each and every year for WrestleMania? 
shifting it to a two-day format. You're going to hear my thoughts on that. You're going to hear their thoughts on whether or not WrestleMania should go to a two-day format. Plus, we also make comments on the latest Dark Side of the Ring episodes from Vice on the murder, suicide of Chris Benoit and his family. So we go a little bit into detail on that as well. But my friend, it's been all over the news these past couple of days. Disney made some changes at the end of the week, some reshuffling per se, obviously because of what's going on with coronavirus pandemic. They've shuffled the decks. And before I hear your thoughts on all this that's going on, and we'll, you know, we'll break it down piece by piece by piece if you want. Just wanted to go ahead and here we go. So I'm going to take a deep breath. Here were the changes that Disney made to its movie slate over the next couple of years or so. So here we go. All right. We're going to start off with Black Widow, which was dated for May the 1st. It moves now to what Josh had said. So pat yourself on the back, my friend. It moved to a November 6th slot that was going to be previously held by the Eternals. So now the Eternals is no longer on this November 6th date. That moves to February 12th of 2021. Shang-Chi, which we had also talked about, if you remember, a couple weeks ago when we talked about Marvel redoing the whole thing and how we were planning on seeing it. Shang-Chi has moved from February of next year to May 7th of next year. That was a little bit surprising to me. and I'll hear Josh's thoughts on that. Doctor Strange 2, which was the May release next year, that is moving to November where Thor Love and Thunder was. And Thor Love and Thunder is now moving from a November of next year date to February 18th of 2022. Black Panther 2 is still looking like it's going to be the May movie for 2022. And Captain Marvel 2, as of now, July 8th, 2022 for Captain Marvel 2. Mulan which was the first movie really affected by this coronavirus that was a big, high-profile movie. That was going to be, well, that should have been out already because that was March 27th. That is going to be releasing in late July, July 24th. On that date, Jungle Cruise was going to be setting sail to the movie theaters, but that moved a year. They pushed that back a year, and that movie is probably almost done, if not already done. So they're moving that to July 30th of next year. Whew, that's just for starters. Then you got Arno's Foul. That was going to come out during the Memorial Day weekend. That's not even coming to movie theaters altogether. That's hitting Disney Plus, but they haven't set a date when. Ryan Reynolds' movie, Free Guy, which you and I liked that first trailer. We really remember we were commenting on it on a previous episode. That's moving from July to a weird day, December 11th. I don't know why that is. I, I, don't, I hope that's not setting that one up for death. Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, which looked really good. That's moving from July to October. The Indiana Jones 5, that's moving to July all the way in 2022. So I don't know how old Harrison Ford is going to be then, but yeah, he's going to be hopefully still alive by the time Indiana Jones 5 comes out. Then you have Steven Spielberg's West Side Story and a movie I know you and I are both interested in, Ridley Scott's The Last Duel with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Both are still on the schedule for release this December as of now, but I would probably say one of those two will be most likely changing at some point. It's just a guess on those two. 
And that doesn't even count in the ones that they're still, they just took off the schedule entirely. Like the personal history of David Copperfield, Woman in the Window, Antlers, and the New Mutants, which <laughs> I don't know, man, which is going to come to the screen first, Uncharted or the New Mutants. I think at some point in time, they're just going to have to bite the bullet and go straight to Disney Plus on it. But that's just me. So I want to hear your thoughts, man. Now that I can go ahead and exhale. <gasps> I'm all done with that recap on all the Disney movies. So you heard of my friend as far as anything that really sticks out to you. Because, again, you need to pat yourself on the back because you called that Black Widow change to November. Yes. Well, I mean, it it only makes sense. You know, a lot of films, a lot of studios are backing out of that summer spot pretty quick. Like, I don't think there's really going to be anything left, right? Mulan is supposed to launch in what month was it? Mulan is being changed to July, late July. And I know what Wonder Woman is trying in August. There was speculation that Black Widow would try August too, but you and I thought that maybe after you convinced me that November was going to be a target date. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like the summer film, uh, you know, the summer box office is going to start in the end of July this year. And, you know, that at this point, that kind of seems like a smart move. And I applaud Marvel for you know, shifting Black Widow to a time when people aren't going to be like testing the waters by going to the movie theater. They'll be hopefully more comfortable taking their family to the movie theaters because, you know, several months will have passed before hopefully businesses open up again and people can go about their lives. That being said, is this going to create a situation where there are too many films in theaters in that short span of time? I kind of feel like it might it feels like there's a lot of traffic heading to theaters and they're basing this all on the assumption that people might be comfortable enough to go back to the movies remember james bond 007 that was earmarked for about two to three weeks before black widow now it's hitting if if black widow stays on the spot two to three weeks after black widow and that's not to mention all the movies that are coming around there as far as not only box office hits per se or ones that are targeted for that type of success but you also have movies that are trying to go ahead and get that oscar buzz right around that time so yes there will be a lot of competition if the marketplace is somewhat healthy at that point in time there's going to be a lot of movies coming around that time that are going to try and buy for attention i have a feeling that this is not done in regards to movement i know on the friday show we talked about paramount universal those movie companies changing their films. I have a feeling that this is not going to be the last reshuffling of the deck, especially when it concerns the months of November and December. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a feeling that we, we are just seeing the beginning of these shifting dates. Uh, what really concerns me though, is that if you look at like, you look at the dates that Disney released, like there's a whole bunch of things coming out in 2021 and 2022 it feels like that like Disney has moved so far beyond just putting out two or three films a year and they've moved into like putting out 10. You know, it's like it's we're going to have a complete takeover of Disney in the movie theaters. And when I saw the end of that and just the December 2022 spot, there is a Star Wars film coming out and I see all of like the, just the complete mass of things that Disney is releasing before that. It makes me feel like they're not really taking the whole Star Wars argument to heart, right? It, it makes me feel like they are not going to change the whole feeling of a Star Wars movie coming off the assembly line. 
No, because that's pretty much what you have with those Marvel movies. It's just like one after another, after another, after another. Now, mind you, they're gambling on there being such a buffer between the, the last Spider-Man and Black Widow that people will miss Marvel so much that they're going to be hungry for Marvel at least the first two, three times around. Shang-Chi in the May spot. I'm excited about that because you and I talked about how we would love to see a Marvel version and Marvel's foreseeing a, you know, their thoughts on the, or their, their two cents on the Kung Fu genre. And I'm so excited that this could possibly be one of the best or most well-promoted Kung Fu movies ever. And the fact that it's coming in May to me is a complete surprise I had thought they would go ahead and flip that over past Doctor Strange 2. But even then, Doctor Strange 2, I wasn't in love with in a May spot because the fact that it was turning a little bit towards horror. That's the way they want to go ahead and do it. Sam Raimi's now in the director's seat and he wants to go ahead. The vision, I think, for it is to try and make it a PG-13 type Marvel horror flick. But having Shang-Chi in that May slot, that to me is a little bit surprising. I mean, if that's what they're doing, then they must be banking a lot of money on this film. I mean, I'm I'm curious to know like what's the standing of the Disney Plus properties. Are they are they staggering? Are they moving release dates around because they're having to stagger those those shows out still? Must be. I mean, for the most part, they said that Falcon and the Winter Soldier and whatever they have coming on the slate, they should be able to keep in their respective slots, but it's still going to be tough for them to go ahead and get that kind of layoff and have to try and make up for it. But at least Falcon and the Winter Soldier will be done. And I'm hopeful that this will go ahead and stay in somewhat of a consistent line because one needs to relate to the other, needs to relate to the other, and needs to relate to the other. So I'm assuming that's why they need to keep them consistent on the way that they go ahead and release them. Because as you and I know, they all tie into each other in some form or fashion, at least the one ties into the next one, ties into the next one. So I'm assuming that's the reason why they couldn't move Shang-Chi and hop that over Doctor Strange 2. They had to go ahead and keep it in line with the others because they want an overarching narrative to tell in between all of them. So I'm assuming that's why Black Widow was the one that you and I both said sticks out because of the fact that it's just a movie that should have been placed way sooner in the Marvel timeline and they should have gone ahead and place Black Widow years ago, but they're doing it now because they think it's a pretty safe bet that they can go ahead and get 750 to a billion dollars off of it. So I can't blame them for going ahead and do so. And instead of starting off with the Eternals, the Eternals is the Eternals and Shang-Chi are the big gambles right now in the near future for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's interesting to see where they're placed because where they're placed is set up for some big time promise. But it's also set up that could be some big time losses for Disney. Yeah, but again, we won't know any of this till it happens. But yeah, it's there's a big gamble going on, a lot of things being moved around, and it's it's still a gamble being made on the assumption that there is going to be crowds back in movie theaters, you know, when this whole thing starts up again. And I think until we know how audi- if if the theater is going to be full in July. It's going to be hard to say exactly what's to expect, how much money things are being made. Corona has changed everything. You know, every market is changing. The way that we consume things is changing. So it's just going to be interesting to see 
you know, what what kind of effect this has when things reopen again. And some of the choices that they made, very few of them, I think, are for the better. I still think at some point in time, they're going to bite the bullet on the New Mutants and put that on Disney+. Plus. I really think that they're going to have to go ahead and do that because enough's enough. I don't think there's enough interest in it. I don't think people are looking forward to it. I think people just want to go ahead and just see that on a streaming format and, and be done with it. Free Guy is the movie, I think, that I was really disappointed in that move from July to December. I was really disappointed in that because I thought that was something you and I were really excited for that movie. Indiana Jones moving to 2022. Again, it's not the fact that it's being moved. It's the fact that it's being moved so far away. I mean, how effective do you think Harrison Ford can actually be by that time? Because he won't even start filming it until next year at the very earliest, halfway, you know, maybe June, July, something like that. Then you get into all sorts of issues. People still be interested in it. will still have that same kind of spark. I don't know. Indiana Jones 5 in 2022 seems like it's going to be, you know, it seems like it's a little, to me, it seems like it's a little bit too far away. But are there any other movies that we talked about from the Disney slate as it reshuffled its decks? that really stick out to you as far as being for the better or for the worst. Yeah. Indiana Jones is one that I'm not really like too keen on seeing. I think the longer they put it off, the less relevant it's going to become. Other than that though, like I, like I said, man, like I don't, there's not really, I'm, I do want to see Mulan and I, I'm, I feel like putting them, putting that as like the first film to come off the Disney slate is, is kind of a bad idea, you know? And I, I think that, uh, because they're banking, they were really marketing the, that movie heavily. They were doing a great job of marketing. It made me want to go see it. So this is a movie that's going not going to just be big in America, but it's going to be huge in the foreign box office. So I don't know if having that be the first thing people are able to see is such a great idea. Uh, you know, again, like you said with the New Mutants, I also feel like removing that from the slate completely is a bad idea, especially since the film is done. You know, put it out on Disney+, Plus, put it out on Hulu, whatever it might be. Let people watch it because you're kind of just dragging it through the mud at this point and they're only doing it harm so i'm curious like what their plan is with that but other than that like i'll watch things when i watch them but i'm just more curious to see how people are going to react when theaters open again exactly and that's something we're still going to be able to keep a focus on right here at the pop culture cosmos it is an interesting slate that disney now has tentatively for now because there could be more changes in store for not just Disney, but all the other movie companies out there as they continue to try and reshuffle the deck because of what's going on with the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. What are your thoughts about all the different movie changes that Disney made on Friday to all the movies that are coming up in the not-too-distant future, and some in the distant future, seemingly? What are your thoughts on that? PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanity Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, we've got our good friend Jessica Boggs with the TV Ratings Guide. She's stopping by to share her thoughts on the shows you need to watch while on whatever you want to call it. Lockdown, hiatus, stay at home, whatever you want to call it. She's got some shows that you think you need to watch, and I do too as well, coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today 
on wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. And some of the things we wanted to talk about right now on the program lead into because so many people right now are at their homes. So many people are at their homes. They're staying at home. They're trying to follow the social distancing guidelines, and they need something to do. So a lot of them are turning to television, to streaming, and to so many other outlets within the video realm. And how has that increased overall? Not by a channel by channel, network by network, but I want to get the overall picture real quick. And who better to talk numbers on television than our good friend? She is the lead writer for the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out what's going on today at the TVRatingsGuide.com for all the original content, reviews, updates on what's going on with the ratings and all that, cancel, renew, index, and so much more. It is my good friend. Jessica Boggs. And Jessica, thanks for joining us on the program. I know your usual spot for the updates on all the ratings and whatnot, that's going to come up here in a couple weeks later this month. But I wanted to bring you on today real quick to talk about what TV shows do you think people need to watch? I've got my list handy, but I want to hear your thoughts on shows that you think people need to go out of their way and watch because, frankly, they have the time right now. People are obsessed with Tiger King right now. And I was like, what the heck? Why is Tiger King so big on there? So that's why I thought it would be one of the things on the list that people are going to be watching and need to be watching or just watching just for the heck of it. But after they finish Tiger King and their jaws, they, they get that close, you know, because their mouths are probably open when they watch the show. What do you think are shows that you recommend? Shows that you think that people should go out of their way and watch? Secession is another one on the list, but that's an HBO show. And if anyone has HBO, the app before HBO Max gets launched, maybe catch up on two seasons worth of Secession before season three premieres. Oh, wait, COVID-19 disrupted the shows. So you still have time to catch up on Secession. Obviously a show that uh, many people were talking about before the coronavirus break. So Secession is an excellent show to follow. Are there any more? I know you've got a list going, so I want to hear your thoughts on shows that you think people should go out of the way to check out. Homeland is another one on the list. I think that's a show from Showtime, and that's usually one of the one of the critical Showtime hits, and that's a key part of the Showtime lineup. If they have time, I would start watching at from the beginning, though, to see. It may not be some people's cup of tea. Homeland seems to be something a lot of people want to go ahead and check out a lot. People just want to go ahead and find out what's going on with Homeland, even though they've changed lead characters over the course of the seasons. It's always been something that has intrigued many people on Showtime. So Homeland is an excellent choice. I know there's one from TNT that you've got your eyes on that you think people should check out. So let me know what that one is. Animal Kingdom. Okay, which can be found still, I believe, on the TNT app. Yes. And that can be easily found at Netflix. You can see the latest season on the TNT app. 
about three more shows that I see that are on your list. So what are those other shows that interest you and say, you know what, you got to check out these shows? All three seasons of Stranger Things. That's yes. an excellent choice. Something I found season three, I thought was the best season ever for the series. And I, I highly recommend it. So yeah, I agree with you on that. If everyone has like at least 12 hours a day in their day, they're, I think people are going to probably watch like all 14 seasons of Supernatural on and off and then have a love-hate relationship and stuff. Yeah, that's going to be taking some time, but that's still something that I think probably CW's most notable program ever on their network. So Supernatural, I think people should give that a try. And you've got one more show that I see on your list. Well, I was going back and forth between the Riverdale and All-American. And All-American is one that people are talking about right now on the CW. There you go. CW has a couple spots on your list of shows that you think people need to check out during this self-isolation, this self-quarantine, this self-stay-at-home program. I've got a few shows before we head on out, so I want to run by you, and I want to run by everyone else out there. If there were five shows that I think people need to go ahead and check it out, I would list right now. I mean, not all time. These are not my, you know, could be on my list of the greatest all time, could be not. I'm just going to go ahead right now. If you need to check out five that are probably easily accessible, Watchmen on HBO, and this is in no order. Watchmen uh, is a very highly rated program from the past few months that I think people need to go ahead and check out. To me, I thought it was a very good show. The Americans, which you can, if you need to, if you've never checked it out, and I know a lot of people out there didn't, is one of the most acclaimed shows of the last decade, if not considered by many to be the top show of the decade. If you get a chance, check that out. I'm not sure you can check it out of, on the FX app because I think either they got rid or whatnot, but I think Hulu probably has that right now. So if you want to go ahead and check out a great show, check out The Americans in its entirety. Definitely one of the best shows that has ever been on television, or at least in this century, I should say. One of the shows I've been talking about over the past few weeks about a docuseries, which is even better than Tiger King, is McMillions. And you should go out of your way to catch that on HBO. Six episodes, really easy, breeze through. You can go ahead and watch it. It's very entertaining, very slick. Production-wise, it's outstanding, but it tells an even narrative, and it doesn't get too weird. It doesn't get too out there, and it's very entertaining, and it's easy to follow. So I, I highly recommend McMillions. It's one of the best docuseries I've ever had the chance to watch. The Boys is something also you need to check out because season two is on the way, and season one is very good. One of the best shows of the past couple years. In fact, I think that was my favorite show of last year. you got to go ahead and check that out on Amazon Prime when you get a chance. And last but not least, it's just announced that it's now available for the month of April. So there's no excuses on the TNT app. And that is a show that I said at the time was one of the shows that you got to go ahead and binge it. And that is The Alienist. Something you got to go out of your way to see. Something that is just very compelling television. One of the best shows I have seen in quite some time as well. And I actually had an article that I dropped on the tvratingsguide.com way back when that this is a show that you need to binge i believe if memory serves me correct it's eight or nine episodes it could be ten it's I don't ten remember. episodes it's ten episodes 
Yes. Okay. So it's 10 episodes, really easy to watch. It is like the boys, both the boys and the aliens are both mature rated. So it's only for adults out there. But yeah, if you get a chance, the alienist is definitely worth it. They're trying to work on a sequel to it based off of one of the other books in the series. So they're trying to go ahead and get all the cast of characters as well because it was a hit for TNT at the time. So if you get a chance, it is available now on the TNT app for the month of April. Angel of Darkness. Yes, that's the, that's the second in the book series. So yeah, they're trying to go ahead and make a show out of that one to continue the series because TNT found it so successful for the alienist. So that's a great sign if you want to go ahead and check out the alienist, you'll be glad you did because it is really compelling viewing as well. Well, all right, my friend, that's our list of shows of TV that you need to watch out there. And whether it's streaming or whether you're just watching it off of the, one of the broadcast networks, these are some suggestions out there to pass the time that'll entertain you while doing so. But again, I'm speaking to my good friend, Jessica Boggs from the tvratingsguide.com. You got to check out what she's doing today at tvratingsguide.com. But before we head on out, Jessica, got to go ahead and plug some of your work out there. So what are you up to at the tvratingsguide.com? So we have renewed cancel indexes as well as opinion-based articles, and we also have original scripts. Sounds good, Jessica. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been great having you on the show. You're coming back on in a couple of weeks here to give us that detailed ratings breakdown as only you can do it right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. So I'm looking forward to that, your usual monthly report on that. But I want to thank you for taking the time in this, this crisis but that's going on this pandemic for taking the time to talk to us about some good TV viewing. I cannot thank you enough for spending the time with us today. And when we come back, we've got the guys from the ESO network, Alex Autry and Mike Faber talking about WrestleMania going permanently, maybe to a two day event plus thoughts on the dark side of the rings, Chris Benoit episodes. And also Noah Ian fine shares his thoughts on retro gaming coming up later on the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. All right, and we're back with the program once again. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. And yes, WrestleMania is now done with, of course, big wins by Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre hitting up the news items. And we thought we'd go ahead and i get some great guests to come in and talk about it for today's program. I've got, first off, Alex Autry and also as well, director himself, Mike Faber, they're both of the ESO Network. You got to go ahead and check it out today on ESONetwork.com. But it was a two-day event for WrestleMania taking place on both Saturday and Sunday due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. But we'll talk about that this week on the ESO Network podcast. And I'm also having a conversation on WrestleMania 36 on Friday's PCC Multiverse with Noah Ian Fine. But I want to ask you guys, once things get back to a somewhat normal state and WrestleMania comes around again next year, do you think they need to switch to a permanent two-day WrestleMania weekend event where it's matches on this day and then other matches on this day like they did this year, which 
I'm going to be honest with you guys, is a little bit more appealing to me. And hear me out here. If they go ahead and possibly research into this, maybe think about doing this in future WrestleMania installments for when it actually is live over the course of a whole weekend. You start off with NXT. You could do the NXT on Wednesday, do the Hall of Fame on Thursday, SmackDown on Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday, leave a full WrestleMania weekend. I kind of like that idea. I also kind of like the fact that you're not watching one 19-hour WrestleMania like you usually are every year, as it's become. So I want to hear your thoughts. Mike, I want to start with you first. Your thoughts on that possibility going forward. Yes, I know it's taped. I know it's regarding the terrible circumstances that we're now in, but is this something that you can see going forward for a weekend possibility for a two-day WrestleMania in years to come? Well, let me tell you, Gene. I could really tell... Oh, sorry about that. I had to clear my throat there. All right, Gerald. Basically, I'm thinking that we are going into a new era with wrestling. And I agree completely that I could see WrestleMania growing into, I hate to say it, almost a full week. They already do a lot of promotions the days before WrestleMania anyway, they have the wrestlers meet and greet and they have all these different events for the the public. Why not then tie wrestling into it? And I'd like the idea of having the hall of fame ceremony on Wednesday, then NXT on Thursday. Well, I was thinking about flip-flopping it because NXT is a normal day. Why not just make it the NXT showcase the NXT takeover on Wednesday and then doing the, the hall of fame on Thursday. Yes. And no, I could see that, but making it something more special than just a regular episode sure. and everything. And cause sure. this is WrestleMania week. This is their version of the super bowl basically. And you know, this is what most wrestling fans look forward to for the last 30 some odd years. And it's almost like an event and it's just like, you know, this is a stop all to get all. We do popcorn, we do pizza, we get everybody together, watch the pay-per-view. This year it's going to be a little different, obviously. But I definitely could see WWE, you know, doing that. And then also, because there's no way any other competition could even match that. And I agree with you. And plus, there's so many different personalities. In fact, so many personalities, period, on the WWE roster. They have so many individuals that want that WrestleMania paycheck. I mean, Alex, hear me out here. I mean, you could combine that weekend into one pay-per-view and maybe one, like let's say, the Saturday beforehand, the Saturday showcase being on Fox or a you know a large network television, and then the Sunday being on the network and pay-per-view. You know, just different combinations of that whole five- to seven-day period beforehand. What are your thoughts on maybe continuing this process of maybe lengthening out WrestleMania so you don't have that whole burnt out feeling come the Sunday of WrestleMania. One of the biggest problems with WrestleMania over the last couple of years is the fact that it's become a seven hour show. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a huge problem that they're having. The idea of starting a show at what? 3 PM for the kickoff, two hours of kickoff and then the matchup. And then last year's WrestleMania finished on Monday because it actually finished almost 12.30 in the morning on the East Coast. So the thing is, though, is that a two-night big event like this, 
is not unprecedented. Wrestle Kingdom earlier this year for New Japan did two nights, and that was their first time. Uh, and it wound up being a huge event, you know, topped off obviously with the retirement of Jushin Thunder Liger. I think overall that WrestleMania week has become its own. It, it's Mardi Gras for wrestling with everybody coming into one town, doing all of the events, but it's not just the big federation itself. You have to remember that all the independents go rolling in Joey Janela with his spring break party. You've got, you know, all these independents that try to go into those towns, find any place that they can put on a show. Pretty much anybody outside of AEW, like last year's event, was doing yeah. an event in and around WrestleMania. Right. So, I mean, because of that, I, I wonder if by setting, I, I first of all, I love the idea of WrestleMania being two nights. I think it's a great idea because it does with, you know, now that they are looking at other buy rate options like ESPN's streaming service, like returning to cable pay-per-views, that sort of thing. Fight then, TV, Fox Fight, Network, mm-hmm. they're also doing using those applic- uh, applications as well. Right. So if you can get WrestleMania two nights at $39.99 each, it's a $70 payday, as opposed to before when they were only getting 60 bucks for one night with eight hours of wrestling. Well, eight hours of show, about 48 minutes of uh, wrestling, and then some bizarre bit with Braun Strowman and a nine-year-old. So I think I, I think that the idea is actually a sound one, and it's one that I think the WWE should be ready to make uh, preparations to do on a bigger basis. The fact that they are doing it at a time when they literally needed something to counterbalance the fact that we're going to get a show with no pop. At all. So I think making it a two-day event doing things like their t-shirt line, their entire WrestleMania t-shirt line is hysterical because it's all, I wasn't there, which I think is, is bordering on genius marketing wise. It's interesting, but I think that if two nights works for the WWE this year, it's going to be their standard for going forward. They have 16 matches listed for this show, which technically ties it for the most number of matches on a WrestleMania. And it's not inconceivable that they could go even more if they do Mm -hmm. something as well set up. And going forward in the future, if they choose to do that route, 10 matches each day would not be out of the realm of possibility as far as being something that could still work effectively. All those people that are traveling from all around the world to visit WrestleMania each year, they're there anyways. Right. Might as well go ahead and try to see what you can do to capitalize upon it. But you get rid of the stigma that's attached now to WrestleMania. And as someone who has attended a couple WrestleManias back when they were a lot shorter, it's hard for me to now to go ahead through all, like you said, seven hours, even on the West coast, you know, it gets done nine, nine 30, 10 PM at night. That's still after seven, eight hours of watching. That's just really hard to stay focused, start to stay interested in what's going on. And by the time the later matches happen, you just don't have the energy to do so. So, I agree that it's just something that they should look at. But, Mike, I think you had one more thing you wanted to say. Yeah, I was just going to say I agree completely with what you're saying, Gerald. But it was like last year after the women's match was over at the end of WrestleMania, I was like exhausted. 
since we're here on the East Coast, we were like, oh my God, it's done. And Judy was just like, she was upstairs already and she was just like, oh, it's over? It's like, hun, I've been watching since 3.30 in the afternoon. It's funny because a lot of people joke that they're actually on this earth that actually are born, live, and die before the end of the show. So it's just something that that takes place each and every year. But I think that this might be because of necessity this year, but going forward, something they should realistically look at. And if they're trying to go ahead and corner the market, and I know they don't really care about the independents that are trying to go ahead and monopolize, get money for a great portion of the year for them by going ahead and holding events in and around WrestleMania. I know the WWE really doesn't care about them per se, Mm -hmm. but still holding events almost all weekend long, or even like you said, all week long, would just be a great way to go ahead and monopolize for the WWE, for a company that sorely needs a boost of character, a boost for themselves financially, and something to go ahead and promote because the in-ring product, well, you know, over the course of the past few years, I know I've been listening to you guys' shows off and on, and and also I'm sure you've heard mine as well, where you, you, know, you know, it's like the product is not at this point in time what it used to be, but hopefully here are things that gives an opportunity to change. And one of the ways they may do it is by putting WrestleMania over two night period. Right now, WWE, along with a lot of other entertainment industries are hurting, you know, look at what, you know, Vince McMahon had to sell stocks. What about a week and a half ago to help keep on funding because of the bath he had to take with excess, you know, the XFL, whatever it is, the football league he has, because they had to cancel half their season. And now, you know, with none of no more after the ninth, they don't know when they're going to be doing live wrestling again. Because of now a stay-at-home order in the state mm -hmm. of Florida. Exactly, and almost every other state they operate in. And, you know, this is what's going on with a lot of the wrestlers that they're not sure after the ninth if there's going to be massive cuts of staff. Because right now the WWE is so bloated with undercard people anyway and everything. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with all this afterwards. Absolutely. Once again, I'm talking to Mike Faber and also as well, Alex Autry from the ESO Network. Check out their great stuff today at esonetwork.com for all things geek. But before we head on out, the dark side of the ring from Vice made available a two-episode, well, actually it was a two-hour episode, but also a two-parter on YouTube on the murder-suicide, a little bit of background as well on Chris Benoit. Mike, I'll head it to you first. Your thoughts on it on a very touchy and sticky situation the WWE no longer wants any part of. No, of course not. And I thought it was done wonderfully. I thought it was very respectful on all parties involved. I don't think it was made to look anyone to look bad. I thought it was it was great to have Chris Jericho involved. It was great to have Chavo involved jr involved it was just it was really awesome and it really surprised me that there was no current wwe people involved with this and it shows that they totally washed their hands of the whole chris benoit thing and both alex and i fyi just live right outside of atlanta so we were here when this went down so we saw a lot of it too and we knew you know 
you know, some of us knew some of the people who were involved in this and such. And it was just, you know, we saw all the newscasts, all the coverage, even the day it happened. It was just a breaking news item right on the network news. It was pretty amazing. Alex, any thoughts on it? As an unabashed Chris Benoit in the ring fan, I remember that whole thing just being unnerving. The news coming out, the tribute show that was done for him, and during the tribute show, people finding out that it was a murder-suicide. And then, you know, the whole thing of, well, it must have been roid rage. And then finding out, no, no, it was a con- it was multiple concussions. Mm-hmm. His brain was like in a dementia at that point. And it was just, it's, it's heart-wrenching. A little unnerving. David Benoit and profile shots looks exactly like Chris. Oh, very scarily. So, uh, which was which was beyond unnerving. But hearing from Nancy Sullivan's sister just put a whole nother spin on it. If people haven't seen this yet, why haven't you? It was just one of those things where it's the darkest moment in professional wrestling, and it didn't take place in a ring. So, I mean, you, you put this up with Owen's fall and probably Bruiser Brody's murder mm-hmm. in uh, Puerto Rico as, as one of the most horrific things. But it clearly, I mean, even, I mean, you talk about those two. One was an accident. One was two adults uh, getting into an argument. This was just horrifying. And it hurt a little to watch. Absolutely. Although the dark side of the ring is, if you're looking for nice, uplifting wrestling subjects. You're not going to get it there. No. They do do their research. I want to give vice credit, but it is something that is going to show a seedier, darker side, pardon the pun, you know, as far as on the professional wrestling side. So it's something that if you want to go ahead and check it out, it does go in great detail. What was leading up to the horrific murder suicide of Chris Benoit, Nancy Benoit and their son as well. So it is, like I said, very compelling viewing. It is something that if you're a fan, you're going to watch. But they also go ahead and reflect on him beforehand, what was leading up to it, but also his talent in which you cannot deny the talent that he had, but you also cannot deny the crimes that he committed. No. And it's not for kids, folks. It is no. not for kids no. at all. No. Well, all right, guys. Before we head on out, just want to go ahead and catch everybody up on what's going on with ESO Network. So, Alex, before I take it away with Mike, I want to go ahead. Alex, any last thoughts on what you're up to with ESO or anything else? Um, I'm pleasure of being uh, part of the the team of, of movie reviewers for Air Station One. Me along with Ashley Pauls, we get the chance to really talk in depth about films. So, throughout the summer, actually, since we have no summer movies this year. We're going to be doing some extra special episodes where we look back at favorites of ours. So that's going to be really cool. And that's going to be stuff that you can see on the or listen to on the Earth Station One Network in the coming weeks. And who better to talk about the ESO Network than Mike himself? Mike. Thank you for having us on again, Gerald. We do appreciate it, man. It was a lot of fun. Earth Station One is a very proud member of the ESO Network. We have 20 shows and we're about to have our 21st show Back on the network, Dr. Geek's Science Lab is returning to the network after a long hiatus. And we are 
All Things Geek. We have shows about pretty much any topic you could think of and can be found on esonetwork.com, but we also could be found on any media player that you could think of. You could even listen to the ESO Network feed on like Apple Podcasts, on Google Plus and others. And it's all our shows, even Gerald's show here on PCC. It's pretty darn awesome. And it's almost like a smorgasbord where you could just pick the shows you want to listen to on demand. And each time, you know, it's pretty darn awesome. I hear what you do to my shows. You make mine like sort of, there's a dark side of the ring. There's the dark side of the ESO network. And that's where pop culture cosmos is. No, I'm just kidding on that. It's been great. It's well, been great being part of the network. He, he's going to be part of the Boneyard match. It's okay. You yeah, know. There you go. I'll be the one that's buried alive. That's for sure. Once again, I'm talking to Alex Autry and Mike Faber from the ESO network. You got to go ahead and check out. Anywhere you get podcasts, the ESO Network, and all the great shows that lie within, or just head over to esonetwork.com for all things geek. Guys, it's been great having you here. Thanks so much. And we ought to do this again about anything pop culture, pro wrestling, or anything else right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Again, back with the pop culture cosmos with all the time that everybody has right now and that's a lot of time right now for a lot of people many of them have been getting back into some retro gaming and here to talk about some great retro games some familiar and some not so familiar is a friend of mine it's no ian fine from the hunnic outcasts and noah great to have you back on the show but really what have you been playing that has been for you such a great blast from the past? I, I've been collecting systems and games since the 80s. It, it, it's going to be too long of a podcaster to discuss every system that I own, every game that I own. I'm breaking it down. But over the You're years. You're talking to someone here who had Pong. So I oh, had, well, I had that too. I, I, I had Pong. I, I had the, the LCD game and watches. I had the Tiger watches. Yeah, I said I had Pong, I had the Tiger games. I mean, I had them all. But over the years, some of them, unfortunately, either broke or got misplaced or lost when I moved from New York down to Florida. So back in between 2010 and 2015, there was uh, two conventions uh, twice a year in Great Oaks, Pennsylvania called uh, Too Many Games in June. And then in September, it would be RetroCon. And it was pretty much – there was a section. There was a flea market for old and used video games and the systems and the computer games as well with all the old video game computers like the Spectrum and the Amistad and the, even the Commodore 64. And even by me, there is a flea market by Fort Pierce in Florida where, again, you know, you can get used games and you can haggle and blah, blah, blah. But I figured I just go in a certain order of what I have – 
Uh, mostly I've, since I stated, since a lot of the systems went kaput and it's very, I'm not like James Ralph, the angry video game nerd. I can't hook them up in the back the way that he does because it would cause an electrical fire. And unfortunately, none of them are HDMI. So I have pretty much boxed the systems and the games. But thanks to my emulator, if I own it, I put it on a ROM on my emulator. So this way, legally, I have it. And it's easier because it's easier to play, store, catalog, and I can use a wireless controller. Or you can get yourself the Retron 5, which is also the you know the system with the wireless controller. Um, but unfortunately, like the CD-based games like uh, Sega CD and Philips CDI and 3DO, that I've boxed up and used an emulator because even back then, the, the, the games were not good with the hardware and they would break or they would crash or they just scratch. So everything has been, like I said, boxed, catalog, you get the idea. But what I do want to discuss also with the main cades, because I know a lot of people have been getting those emulators and ROMs for years. I actually was able to get my hands on the motherboards at a convention and you can put together the mini cabinets for the arcade games. And there's one that I want to discuss that unfortunately has been discussed to death. Thanks to James Ralph, the angry video game nerd. This one is Ninja Baseball Batman, which is a beat em up and beat em ups. I think are simple. You go from left to right or right to left and you just beat up the enemies and then you have a boss, and that's it. It's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or the Simpsons Arcade. But what's interesting about Ninja Baseball Batman, who's from Japan, came here, didn't sell well. There were only 40 units. I've seen some of the original cabinets, uh, one in Miami at a barcade. But what was interesting about this game is that you were mascots that were named after famous baseball players at the time of the 90s, or, or you know, ones that people remember Daryl Strawberry, Jose Canseco. They all have different abilities, like the Teenage Ninja Turtles, but you were going after artifacts from Baseball Hall of Fame in upstate New York. And the boss fights, one of them was you were inside a jumbo jet fighting a biplane. Again, I was able to acquire the motherboard, but a lot of people want to get their hands reproduction cart this one onto a SNES cartridge or a Sega Genesis. It's, the people have been trying to, so it's still been petitioned. This really should come on Switch or PS4. As for a home console, I think we all had that was made out of wood, the Atari. Two games I want to discuss. One was Pigs in Space starring Miss Piggy. This actually came out after Muppets was canceled on CBS, the original Muppet show. And this was also during the Atari video game crash where you were getting a bunch of games for like a third of the price. And I got this at KB for like two bucks, if you can believe it, when it first came out. Atari was notorious for screwing their programmers and they would eventually leave and you know create their own companies. But you had three different programmers for... Pigs in Space starring Miss Piggy. Link Hogthrob, of course, this was satirizing Star Trek, and they had a ship called the Swine Trek. Uh, Link had a uh, Space Invaders type of game, and instead of fighting Space Invaders, you'd fight chickens. And for the bonus of the spaceship, it would be Gonzo, and if you were shot by one of the aliens, you'd be turned to a chicken. The other game for Miss Piggy, just go from the bottom to the top of the board, karate chopping, because that's what she was known for. And Dr. Strangepork would try to do stealth to get to his, you know, get to the swine trek. 
only complaints about this game is that I understand it was taken from other Atari games at the time. Would have been nice if they could have used a swine track and made it like a Defender clone, which would have been interesting. The other game I wanted to discuss, which I found to be interesting, was Pitfall, because we all know that one. A lot of people think of the their version of Pac-Man. And again, the stories were that the programmers had months, months to work on a game and have it rushed out. But Pitfall was one of the reasons why kids wanted, because in the arcade, you collect points and Pitfall was, you were starting to go on an adventure. So, and, and the whole idea was you had to get enough treasure before your time would run out. And the way your time would run out is if you would th- fall through different well pitfalls. Uh, you would run across a screen and a lake would open up, and that was supposed to be quicksand, or you couldn't jump over the crocodiles. And the more times you died, that's how you'd lose your time, and there'd be another section of how many points you got. So at the time, it was innovative. Well, no, I cannot thank you enough for stopping by to talk some great retro gaming Looking forward to you checking in over the next few weeks with some more retro gaming thoughts right here on The Pop Culture Cosmos. Cannot thank enough Alex Autry, Mike Faber, Noah Ian Fine, and Jessica Box for stopping by the show. Please, if you can, give us that five-star review out there. If you can, like, subscribe to us, whatever you can do to support the show. We are truly indebted to you. Or support the great radio stations because we're on over 25 of them around the world. Support the great radio stations that play the pop culture cosmos. My friend, a famous individual from the Marvel Cinematic Universe hit 55 this weekend. Mr. Robert Downey Jr. So RDJ hit 55. And that brings up a good question because his name has also been in the rumorville lately about possibly returning in some form or fashion to the MCU. I'm not sure I'm ready for it. Are you? If he does return, I feel like it kind of ruins the whole impact of him fading out in Avengers Endgame. But also, I'm wondering if like, after the bomb that was Dr. Doolittle, if he doesn't really have many other options outside of playing Tony Stark again. If he's kept like similar to what he did at the end of Avengers Endgame, where he had that recording, maybe something similar in, in, like I said, a future episode or future episodes, that he's not entirely there, that he's made recordings from the distant past. I can live with that, plus the What If series that could still schedule for next year. I could see him doing that, and I could have no problem with it, because then again, it's a What If scenario. Just because of the paycheck that he demands, like I, I don't feel like Disney would bring him back just for a cameo. You know, they, there'd have to be something else in it that would make that worth the money for them. But I don't know. You I mean I, I don't know anything about how much that he would charge for something like that. But I feel like Disney would really want to get their money's worth out of it. It's something that we need to go ahead and still keep an eye on. RDJ, as he hit the big 55, a lot of his celebrity and Marvel friends paid their respective wishes, and obviously we do too. Thank you so much for everything he did for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for pop culture. But yes, as long as he stays somewhat out of the limelight, doesn't go back into it full blast in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think we could hang with that. But as Josh said, he comes at a high ticket price 
If that's the case, they'll want to go ahead and put him in a much larger fashion in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if that's the case, I'm not sure we're down with that. What are your thoughts out there on a full-blown Robert Downey Jr. return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great episode. Again, if you have your top 10 list of movies, please go to our social media, Pop Culture Cosmos, at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. Send us your list or popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We are going to be compli- compiling the list this week and starting our top 100 list. Want to make sure everybody out there stays safe, stay healthy. Josh, you and the family out there do so as well. And again, from all of us at the Pop Culture Cosmos, I know we said it before, but to all the health workers out there, you've got our respect, you've got our love. Stay strong and stay healthy as well. Yeah, just stay strong, stay healthy if you need to. Stay off the internet. Keep your mindset in the right place. But yeah, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. And according to what Josh says, he needs off the internet. I think a lot of other people do as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glasser. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Hey, weird podcast people, join us every week on the Flopcast for a half hour or so of silly conversation about comics, music, Saturday morning cartoons, old movies and TV shows, and chickens. It'll be our little secret. Find us at Flopcast.net and on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.